comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with aaron sands abe um this is a special kind of bonus thing i'm talking with alan aguilera right now hello and uh, we just were at comic-con for the past you know week and uh, it was quite exhausting we are quite tired i have plenty of work to do alan has stuff to do but we figured why not the two of us talk about our experiences at comic-con the panels we got to see cool shit we got to do and other, other fun stuff. So normally uh, Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. But right now this is just a bonus episode that's going to focus on stuff that happened at this year's San Diego Comic-Con. We're going to start going like day by day by like what happened in the in the big hall each. The big the biggest hall at the San Diego Convention Center first. But um, beforehand, just so like, because I know I was in hall each on Thursday. Alan wasn't. Uh, Alan, just to start it off, did you have a good con? I think... Like, with Comic-Con for me, every year there's always moments of elation and moments of awesomeness. But then there's also moments of frustration. Uh, I go with a great amount of people, and I kind of have to manage my time accordingly with the different groups of people that I have there uh, to keep everyone happy. I'm a little bit of a politician. Um, So I always have moments of just frustration and having to juggle a lot of different personalities. So that's always frustrating to me. But um, I think this is probably one of my best experiences at Comic-Con. I, there was moments we'll get into later where it felt like it was my first con because of how excited and how squealish I was. Like, sque- like I was, it was bad. We'll get into it later, but oh, dude, it was bad. You were yeah. there. Yeah, I you was. Were- and like, <laughs> as an example, Alan and I are not recording together as we initially planned to because he had to go early, which was it's, it was a little sad. I was hoping that we could do like another because Abe and I just recorded together in studio last week, and that was really cool. So I'm like, now I can get with Alan and we could like do it, but that didn't happen. So it doesn't matter. Let's just. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of butthurt about it, but whatever. Okay, yeah. so um, let's. Let's uh, let's kick it off then. Um, so Hall H on Thursday, I was in at the beginning of Hall H, which meant which means Alan that I was able to see the Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two panel. Dude, I'm so jelly right now. Toad's jelly. <laughs> Toad's jelly. jelly. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the next title. I think it's I think it's <laughs> the next one. The um, the epilogue of the Twilight franchise is called Twilight Toad's Jelly. Yeah. So. I didn't even think I was going to get into the get into the panel at that point. Like I was, I was try, I got in line for Hall H just so I can get. Are in. you telling me you did not stay up all night? No, I didn't get in line for Twilight. I, that did wasn't... Not, I did not camp out days in advance to see the Twilight panel, and um, but I I got in line mainly because I wanted to see the Disney panel, which is right after Twilight. But for whatever reason, the, the line worked out pretty well because I was able to get right into the Twilight panel. So. This will be the first and last time I'll probably be reporting on Twilight news. Um, I got to see the Twilight panel. All the all the stars came out, including, you know, Kay Stew and Taylor Lautner and Robert Pattinson, as well as the other Cullen family members. And, you know, they presented some footage and I got to see uh, Bella as a new vampire, Russell the Mountain Lion. I wish I could say that more. I might. I might just start mentioning that in things like, oh, the stocks. Well, I saw... 
Bella met Russell Mountain Line. But um, yeah, that, it was it, it was it was a panel. That's 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 for sure. It had. Uh, a... It feels kind of weird because. Is it, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that that is the only Twilight panel I've missed at Comic Con <laughs> because of other things that I've had to go to. That's right after I've always stayed through. I think all of the Twilight panels, maybe not last year. No, I went last year. <laughs> yeah, the one time I was in Hall H, uh, but that was the first one I missed this year, and I, I could feel very, very. I don't really care, but it would have been nice to go like, yeah, I went to all of them. Well, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, perhaps, but uh, my friend Scooter and I, during our Comic-Con, where the first Twilight panel happened, and, um, we were we were already in Hall H at that time, and then as the Twilight panel started and everyone was screaming, Scooter and I were the only ones that left before it started. It, I, I feel like that's like some kind of record where we just, we didn't care, and we're like, let's go see what else is going on. So we only had like, we were only there for one day, so we're like, let's go see what else is going on. So we just, we literally left as all these stars were coming out for the first Twilight movie, which uh, always made me kind of happy. But um, as far as uh, the the rest of the Twilight panel goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to this later when I talk about another panel that was that was very fun and kind of the opposite of the attitudes going on in the Twilight panel. So I'm just gonna leave it there for now, and I'm gonna move on to what I got to see. Now, actually, at the I'll mention this at the end of the Twilight panel, there was the um, a surprise uh, guest from Andrew Nichol, director of Gattaca and writer of Truman Show, and uh, well, he just mm-hmm. he recently did In Time, and um, just no, just in time. I, it's not called that, but all right. That's what I call it. That's what you call it. No. <laughs> when when people say they saw it, they don't say just in time after. That's for sure. Um, so Andrew Nichol came out, and he was out because he directed the uh, new. Fi- he directed and I guess scripted the screenplay for the new film, The Host, which is a book. Though I guess one of the latest books written by Stephanie Meyer, who wrote the Twilight um, Saga. And uh, so they he uh, came out and premiered a whole like montage reel of footage from the The Host, which comes out next March. And um, not sure what to say about it. It was, it seemed there was a big car chase sequence and there was some action-y stuff going on. And it felt so out of context that I honestly have no idea how to kind of react to it. I, it didn't, it didn't make me want to see the movie more. It didn't really make me want more. It just made me want to know what the hell was happening. <laughs> but it is Andrew Nichol. And um, while I had problems with In Time and, um, and Simone, I guess, I, I am a fan of Gattaca and The Truman Show and... Um, What's his other? I think what's his other one that I'm forgetting? That's all you need to know, really, is Gattaca and Truman Show. I'm sure there's something right before Gattaca that I can't remember. Yeah, well, if I think of it, I'll say it. But anyway, yeah, after the um, after the Twilight panel and the Andrew Nichol thing, then that was when the Walt Disney panel started up next. Walt Disney Studios and they had uh, three movies they were presenting. The first was for Frankenweenie, then was for the Oz, the Great and Powerful, and then was Wreck It Ralph. And um, Chris Hardwick was moderating that panel, and he uh, he also moderated a panel. The uh, yesterday we'll, on Saturday as well. Yeah, we will show. get into that. We will get into that and how amazing Chris Hardwick is as a, as a moderator. But for the Disney panel, uh, yeah, Frank and Weenie came up first, and Tim Burton came out on stage, and um, that was that was pretty fun. They they premiered a new trailer that was like a, a '50s homage type trailer, uh, which you know it was mo- it was it was very humorous, but it was modeled after kind of what people think of when they think of like old fashioned monster movie trailers where they have like the text flashes on screen and the guy's talking and an announcer voice says in, we're going to have a new Frankenweenie. Like it's just that really kind of over the top radio type of type of voice. And that was, that was pretty fun. And, um, yeah, Tim Burton at Comic-Con plenty. Uh, there were plenty of Tim Burton fans in the audience. They're all <laughs> dressed up as Mad Hatters and uh, nightmare character, nightmare before Christmas character, Beetlejuice, uh, just all sorts of, Wait a minute. Tim Burton has fans? 
hilarious. Um, I'm a funny man. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah Frank and Weenie. I'm looking forward to Frank and Weenie still, actually. Uh, Alan, you, are you looking forward to Frank and Weenie? Uh, yeah, um, that new trailer they put out, the extended one, yeah. um, not the one that's been making the rounds forever. I like the new one a lot, so yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. But I said that about uh, Dark Shadows, so... Yeah, but I think um, what I've said before about Frank Weenie is that this one, this is like a personal project from Burton. It, yeah, I so mean, was Dark Shadows. So, so. Well, yeah, in terms of he and Depp were really big fans of the soap opera and they wanted to see it. But this one feels like, this is the first like original movie that Tim Burton's going in a while. Like It's not based on any pride. The only thing it's based off of is his own work, because it's a remake of his own live-action short film. And, of course, the obvious inspiration from Frankenstein. But... um. I, I'm excited just because it's him doing something original again, which I just haven't seen in a very long time. Lord of War. That's the other Andrew Nichols. Yeah, I was wondering. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is which another movie I really like, actually. Okay. Um, after Frank and Weenie, the Oz, the, Oz the Great and Powerful came on, and that was the, that's the new Sam Raimi film, which is set in the world of The Wizard of Oz. It's basically it's a prequel to The Wizard of Oz story, in a sense, where it follows the character of The Wizard the, of Oz and um, how he became the great and powerful Oz. And um, Sam Raimi came on stage following a montage of clips from his films, which is obviously the Spider-Man trilogy, the Evil Dead trilogy. And there was a lot of Darkman featured, actually, which was interesting. And I, I was really hoping I'd see, like, someone dressed as Darkman ask Sam Raimi a question, because that would have been amazing. But I guess that cosplay doesn't happen too much anymore. It's more... Well, it's summer, man. Uh, <laughs> there's, heavier, there's heavier costumes. Out there. I know, there are, I know. <laughs> I saw Star Wars The Conqueror today, and I was well, not today, um, a couple days ago. And it was really awesome. <laughs> so yeah, um, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, anyway, they they premiered the trailer, which was which was neat. This was the first time anyone saw anything from Oz the Great and Powerful. And um, what was cool about it is that it started out uh, black and white, and um, in a like regular four four three aspect ratio, like regular TV ratio. And then like as he gets to Oz, it it went color and just expanded out into full widescreen. And that was a that was pretty cool to see, and the movie itself, it's notice it's notable that the movie is from the as they advertise it as from the producer of Alice in Wonderland because this very very much looks like another movie in that sort of like a Snow White and the Huntsman to an extent that's like way darker and different and not a good movie and either is Alice in Wonderland really but uh, Oscar and the Powerful certainly you would when you look at that you would think Alice in Wonderland just because they have a very similar style to them. That said. I'm excited to see Sam Raimi kind of work in this kind of fantastical world, and he shot in 3D. And it, if there is a per, if of directors I want to see, I I wouldn't mind seeing you know their style applied to three dimensions. Like Sam Raimi is one of them. He has a very kind of his. Alan, you know what I'm you you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like Sam Raimi's mm -hmm. style is very much. Mm -hmm. It's very um. There's certain points that are kinetic, and yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. So it's just like Wizard of Oz in his style. Yeah, and um, it's like the other side of a. It's like Wicked's one area of a prequel for Oz, and then there's this. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. I, okay. And uh, yeah, I mean the footage. It looked cool. It made me. It made me want to see this movie. Like I was already interested just because I like Sam Raimi. I'm a big fan of Sam Raimi, and I'm happy to see him. You know, do new movies, especially once that kind of expand his kind of where he's been. Like he's 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 messed around. Even though he did Spider Man, Evil Dead, he did Dark Man, so a lot of kind of horror and superhero stuff. He's also done, like, A Simple Plan, which is... I love that movie. It's my favorite Sam Raimi movie. Boom. It's a complete straight drama. Like, it's just a great movie. And then you have, like, something like um, The Quick and the Dead, where, like, a Western. So, like, he's he's certainly done other, like, different types of properties. So here's, like, his chance to do, like, a fantastical adventure story. And, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how that turns out. 
And uh, let's see, lastly for the, the Disney panel was Wreck-It Ralph, which is a movie that just looks better and better every time I see footage for it. This is the movie that takes place inside the world of coin-op arcade games and uh, John C. Riley's Wreck-It Ralph. We just talked about this trailer on the show a few weeks ago. I'm not going to go over the whole thing again, but it, it, uh, it looks like a lot of fun. The director, Rich Moore, who's like a Simpsons alum, he came out. John C. Riley and Terrence Silverman came out. And they just they showed off 10 minutes of footage, and it was all just really funny, really enjoyable, really for like it was like a perfect movie to show at in hall h at comic-con just full of just geeks that know all the video game references from various decades that they're going for so it just looks like a whole lot of fun here's my question yeah um when do those movies come out um that's good that is a good question frank Winnie comes out in october mm-hmm. the oz great and powerful comes out next march and um wreck it ralph comes out in november i I wanted that for my own reference because i want to see these like i don't know like frank Winnie, i want to see because it looks Looks cool. It looks fun. Looks throwbacky. That and um and paranormal too. That's another movie. Paranorman. Sorry, yeah, par- paranormal. Paranorman. Yeah, those two movies. Yeah. And I like stop animation too. So that I mean that helps for sure. Yeah. Um, Paranorman's gonna win win the summer box office. Um, what else is it gonna? Uh, like Sam Raimi. You know what? I'm not a big fan of him. Like other people are. I like his movies enough, but I'm not sold on Oz because I don't care enough about the Wizard of Oz story. Um, to really be excited if any movie that comes out with it in general is, you know, you you know what I mean? I know, I, I know what you mean. I, it's hard for me to put it together, but I get what you once, mean because we, we've kind of, t- we've talked about like the evil dead movies before and I know you're not like a huge fan of them. So I like two. Well, no, actually I'm weird because I understand why people like two, but I like one. I like all of them for different reasons. Well, I like what you, cause two is like my favorite. It was, it's one of my favorite movies in general, but I like one because it's a very, it's, it is a straight up horror movie. And if you watch it with the right atmosphere, it actually still is a scary movie despite having a honest level of camp involved. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah. And well, what, what was after that? After Wreck-It Ralph? Yeah. After Wreck-It Ralph, actually, before I get to the next panel, the last thing that happened in the Disney panel was a surprise, a reveal of the Lone Ranger teaser. What? Yeah. This is the, um, the new Johnny Depp Gore Verbinski uh, collaboration of the Lone Ranger, where Johnny Depp plays Tonto, and you have Army Hammer from the Social Network. He plays the Lone Ranger, and it's very much in line with kind of the Pirates movies. It's like um, it's it's written by uh, Ted and Harry uh, Ted, Ted Elliot and Terry Russo. Russo, Russo. Yeah, they they wrote the they wrote the uh, previous Pirates films, and um, they also wrote Aladdin. They so do. they have a lot of clout with me, yeah. They do. I like them in general. I like a lot of their work. But uh, I, I mean, I, I'm a supporter of the other Pirates movie besides the fourth one. I'm a supporter of that whole trilogy. I like those movies. But regardless, yeah, this is this. It's a Jerry, it's a Jerry Bruckheimer production. It's very much them going back at it again, and this time they're tackling the Western genre, and in this and specifically their Lone Ranger character. And um, the um, the look of the footage, it looked like a fun movie. I mean, it, it looked it looked like. I, like westerns are like seem to be like a hard sell for audiences these days but um i'm ex- i'm curious to see if this movie is going to catch on and um if it's going to be like a big success like the pirates movies were and um some people would think that you know, johnny depp's name automatically you know guarantees 200 million dollars and hey rum diary yeah, yeah rum diary and dark shadows mm. but uh we'll we'll see i mean but th- that again those movies weren't you know j- ginormous jerry bruckheimer productions from disney i mean alice wonderland and the last you know four pirates movies were well not alice wonderland was a jerry bruckheimer but they're yeah, but i know what you mean yeah and so it'd be i i'm curious to see the movie for sure because i like gore verbinski as a director i think so do i i think he has an amazing he has an amazing visual style and he's very much about 
going out there with what he what he wants to put on screen. And I'm 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 excited to see just all this the various production values of his Western, which looks to be very, like, I know they, there's been a lot of production trouble with making the Lone Ranger initially because of budgeting and how they're scripting it out. But this movie certainly looks grand and epic and lots of action and crazy, just train cars flipping over and sliding all over the screen and horse stuff. It's just, it looks, it looks big. It looks like a big movie. Well, I want to see it because I remember watching the Lone Ranger um, TV show with my dad as a kid. Plus, I read the comic book now, so I'm I'm down. And like that teaser image that they put out a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm down. Let's do that. Cool. I like that. And yeah, the Lone Ranger hits on July 3rd of next year, so that should be okay. So after the Lone Ranger, after the Disney panel ended, next up was um, Jackie Chan's panel. He has a new movie called CZ12, and um, it is it's a movie that he's made himself. It it was almost it's almost like you know Alan, you know the movie The Fall. Yeah. By by uh. Yeah, yeah, Tarsim. Tarsim. Um, this movie is uh, this is Jackie Chan's like his his version of the fall, where he's gone to several different con- like all over the world to make this movie and direct it himself and star in it and still do Jackie Chan things. Like he he uh, he he comes out, he shows like the the trailer the 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 trailer of the movie, and it looks like a fun Jackie Chan movie. Like it it doesn't look like it's not necessarily it's not dark at all. Like it looks like a big like for everybody type movie it's it involves like jackie chan i think he's like a he's like a thief of sorts but probably, i think like in the realm of like indiana jones kind of like a or, or tomb raider so he's kind of he's he's trying to get uh specific artifacts but probably do the right thing with them and he's kind of he's searching all over the world to find mystic artifacts from from uh, animals from the chinese zodiac and the movie's yeah the movie's called uh it's, it's like has like a Chinese title, so it's like being referred to as CZ12, but it's called like Chinese Zodiac 12, and it comes out on 12, 12, 12, literally like on December 12, 2012. So uh, the the movie looks fun, I'll say that. But the panel was a lot of fun, just because Jackie Chan is he's such an entertaining presence, and he's very self aware. He knows that his English, for whatever reasons, he's been speaking English for a while. He knows he he still speaks in you know not broken English, but he not quite like all the way. Like he needs to he, he like when he especially when he gets excited, I guess he he's has trouble like talk speaking in English, but he's like has a lot of fun with the fans, and like the fans clearly love Jackie Chan still. Yeah, he he was he was really you know proud of this movie. He's proud to talk about it. He's happy to explain how essentially he doesn't since he made this movie himself. He he doesn't know he doesn't like he doesn't know how other movies are made. He knows how his movies are made, and because of that, that means that he's going to make movies where he puts himself in mortal danger and does crazy stunts, like which is what he's been doing for like the past several decades of his life and breaking bones and what have you. And he still looks to be added here uh, from the footage I saw there probably, there probably is, you know, some CG workery and maybe some wire stuff, but for the most part, it still looks like a fun Jackie Chan movie. Uh, Alan, are you a Jackie Chan like fan? Yeah. I like um big fan of drunken master movies. I really like super cop. I grew up watching a lot of his movies. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I usually watch everything he makes. I haven't seen 1911 though. I, I did get it recently, but I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it. Cool. Yeah. That was just, that was a really fun, that was a really fun panel. Jackie Chan, what was cool. Jackie Chan never sat down. He stood up the entire time just so he, cause he was, really, yeah, he did. He was so, and it was like an hour long panel and he was just, but he was just so full of energy and so lively in front of the crowd. I don't know if he's ever been on the Hall H in Comic Con before, but he 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 was really enjoying himself up there, and everyone was really enjoying like his presence. It was just like a really cool thing to be a part of, just having him being super happy that everyone really enjoys Jackie Chan. Like he's a, he's an international superstar, and like he 
he, he's earned it. Like he's he's just a really affable guy. So and that was just neat because like I I didn't know that was happening until hours before it was like Jackie Chan has a panel at Hall H. That's cool. Um, okay, so the next panel that happened, uh, the Expendables two panel. Um, testosterone filled. The Expendables 2 panel came out. You had Sylvester Stallone, Terry Crews, Randy Couture, Dolph Lundgren, and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. All of these guys on stage. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone in particular. It was like, it was pretty ridiculous. And now here's what I was talking about before between the Twilight panel and the Expendables panel. The, for whatever reason, despite the fact that all these people have camped out to wait and see Twilight for like days at a time, those people on the panel, these kids, they, like, cannot muster the energy to, like, be, like, super excited about this fact. They just sit there, and Tristan Stewart, like, chews her hair, and it's awkward for whatever reason. But the Expendables panel is, like, the complete opposite of that. These guys are just, like, having fun, and they're, like, they're they're, sell they're promoting their movie. I don't have, I don't, I didn't care for the first Expendables that much, and I'm the, honestly not that excited about Expendables 2, even after seeing the footage, which I can describe a little bit later, but... I'd, I'd watch the panel for hours because those guys were super fun to be on stage and just talking with each other, talking about each other, having Arnold and Sly go over like the memories they've had of being friends for a really long time now. Terry Crews, like him geeking out on stage because he, Arnold tells him that he likes his muscles. Arnold saying, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Arnold saying he, it's not a Tuma in other lines from his movies. Like he's very self-aware of, of, of the various, you know, lines from his older movies that, you know, are very popular. <laughs> like it was just complete. It was completely fun. It was, it was a very enjoyable thing. And these guys are just awesome. They know like, that's why Arnold got elected. He knows how to talk in front of crowds. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not surprised that. Yeah, that's, that's not, I missed the first Expendables panel, and I, I never, I'm always kind of regretting it. And then amazing panel, like that. Terry Crews ripped off his shirt on stage when he got up on panel. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, I think I left early that day, or no, I think it was in Ballroom Twenty that day because in the relationship I was in, I think we went to True Blood or something. Whatever. That was. I'm still kind of butthurt that I missed that first panel, but I still haven't seen the Expendables, so I don't know if, I don't know if me sitting in that panel would have made me want to see the movie. The, uh, the footage itself, like, Sorry, yeah. it seems like, you know, from how they described it, they wanted to, I guess, they they went with, they saw what they, they saw what the reaction was to the first one, and they the idea was to take the parts out that made the first one good and put it in, put, amplify that for the second one. I don't know exactly how they decided to pull that off, but the footage they showed was all very, it was very campy, like, over-the-top campy, and... It didn't look that good. Like, the action was, like, fine. Like, they didn't show, like, a lot. In the first Expendables panel, they showed some really cool action stuff. This one, they didn't really do that. It showed one key scene, but it had, like, every single cast member involved. But the dialogue is so, like, it's so wink, wink, nod, nod, where you have, like, Willis saying, or Arnold saying, I'll be back. And then Willis saying, you've been back enough. I'll be back. And then Willis is like, or Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, yippee ki yay. And it's like, what are you guys like? This is just, Stop this, it. Just too much. Stop this it. Is not like, this isn't even anything. Kurt, uh, what's his name? Uh, Chuck Norris at one point, like, he like, he like, sh he shoots some guy from a distance and they all like look back and like, who did that? And like, it zooms into Chuck Norris and like, weird like, doo -doo -doo -doo, play music plays in the background. It's just like, it looks like, I mean, to an extent, it, yeah, it looks. I'll, I'm gonna see this movie because why? I guess you have a you have a podcast. Have a podcast to do. That's actually the main reason. But I don't know what to take away from it. It, it looked like something. But that said, the, the panel was still very enjoyable. And um, actually, 
one thing of note, Sylvester Stallone did provide. He uh, he was asked um, how the three seashells worked on stage, <laughs> and um, his answer was, um, "You know how chopsticks work." That that was kind of the extent of the answer. That's what it, that's what he was that's what he was told. That's a Demolition Man reference. If anyone's not getting what the, the three the three seashells thing. Hmm. Yeah, Expendables panel. Uh, the last thing that happened, Arnold was given an Inkpot Award by uh, IGN, I guess, like a big celebrating him as an action icon. That was a thing that happened there. <laughs> but not a comedic icon for Junior? <laughs> uh, no, but the, okay, the, the, um, one of the questions to both the two, to Sly and, Stil- and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was, um, what is, Sly, what, did, what is your favorite Arnold movie and vice versa? And Sly's answer was Junior. And Arnold said, uh, and Arnold said, stop or my mom will shoot. So it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> good job. All right. Uh, so that's, that was, um, that was, that was my Hall H experience for, for uh, Thursday Comic-Con. Alan, you were in Hall H for some of Friday. You want to go over the things that you were able to see there? Well, yeah. So my whole dilemma with Friday was that I really wanted to see the Game of Thrones panel because I'm not a big fan of the Walking Dead panel and the, the panel before that was Big Bang Theory. And I ended up getting a chance to meet Guillermo del Toro Friday morning. So I did that. And then after that ended, I scurried on over to Hall H and I waited in that line for six hours and I missed Big Bang, I missed Walking Dead, and I missed Game of Thrones. The second Game of Thrones ended, the entire, like, I swear, about three-fourths of that hall left, which was fine because the main thing I wanted to see that night was Hall H's um, Sony panel, which was awesome. It came out, it started off with Total Recall. Total Recall came out, uh, the director came out, Len Wiseman, with Kate Beckinsale, Brian Cranston, who I was just a big, I was really excited, and Colin Farrell, and just Jessica Biel. So they came out. They showed maybe like a seven, eight minute sizzle reel. It's essentially the trailer, but extended with. I assume it's all chronological with how they were showing stuff. I already kind of wanted to see the movie. Um, I was really excited for it, and I was like, "Okay, this looks like a lot of fun. I really want to watch this." But then they kept showing stuff. I'm like, "Stop it! You already sold me." And the more they showed, the more I really wanted to see it. They already, I already wanted to see it because I never saw the original Total Recall. You should see the original Total Recall. That's... I, I actually bought it last week because I really want to check it out before I watch the movie. That's just a good movie. Okay. Somewhere back, back. I mean, that's like that. That's maybe a top three Arnold movie. Like, I've yeah, I haven't seen Commando either. So, I bought both of those the other day. Anyway, back. Commando's um, all right. Commando's all right. I heard it was terrible. It's, <laughs> so it's I was like, not, oh, I have it's to. Not, watch it's it. not one of my favorite Arnold movies. I hear, well, it's written by Jeff Loeb. It's a long story. Anyway. I know. Okay. So going back, they already showed it, and I was like, okay, this is really exciting. I really want to watch it. And then they were talking about it and how they wanted to do differences. Uh, Len Weisman wanted to go more of a serious route than the campy Verhoeven route. I was like, okay, that's that's fine. Let, let Verhoeven do his own thing, and it's fine. And they kind of said that they're not going to Mars anymore. They're going to stay here. That's what I was going to ask, because it, it doesn't seem like there's yeah. anything involving Mars in this movie. So, okay, they don't go to Mars. Okay. Yeah. No one's also, getting harassed to Mars. I got it. No, and they kind of alluded that it's taking place in London. So that's interesting. And there's going to have a couple of things that call back to the original, like the three breast hooker. So he, they kind of made jokes about it. And Brian Cranston is just darling. He was funny, but Colin Farrell kind of had that. He didn't have like a Robert Downey Jr. level, but he was charming that crowd and people liked him a lot. And there's a lot of questions getting pushed towards him. And there was a lot of in joking between 
Kate Beckinsale and Len because they're married, and it was just a lot of funny back and forth between everybody. Um, so that was really cool. It was a really fun panel to kind of watch, and uh, someone asked Colin Farrell why he wouldn't do his accent, uh, like just use his real accent since they're in London, and he just didn't. He thought about it for like seven seconds, but he also thought about using his uh, using an Austrian accent uh-huh. to kind of call back to Arnold, <laughs> and then he decided not to. Um, that is kind of weird if they are filming in London and he's not going to use his Irish accent. Yeah, like they, they, he just honestly, from, I think from what he said, is that he just didn't think about it. And I would, uh, yeah, and I would argue that his best movies all feature his Irish accents. <laughs> yeah, same here. I mean, In Bruges, Daredevil, both of those on the same level, obviously. I think, I think he just knows how to. Act. Yeah, no, I like SWAT. There, I said it. I like SWAT too. SWAT's a fun. That's. <laughs> I like Minority Report. He was good in that movie. He's good in that. But he's. I like Colin Farrell in general. No, what he's he's a solid. He's a solid. He's a solid actor. He is. Yeah. Um, so we moved on from there, and they went into the Looper panel, which Woo. I love Ryan Johnson. I remember when I was started first listening to Film Spotting, and they were mentioning Brick. They made me watch Brick. I fell in love with it. And Brothers Bloom, when that came out, that and Glorious Bastards were my two favorite movies that year. I love Brothers Bloom. I, I'll, I'll say something about Brothers Bloom. The um, When that movie came out, and I'm a huge Brick fan. I watched that movie a lot. I love it. And uh, when Brothers Bloom came out, Ryan Johnson released an, like, an audio commentary, downloadable through MP3. And um, so you could like listen to it while you saw the movie. And so I watched, I saw the movie for uh, once and then I did that and I brought my iPod and saw it again with that commentary playing live. And like, I was just had my headphones on in the theater watching it. And that was, that was pretty entertaining. That's cool. Yeah. He's, he know he's, he knows how to talk. He does. Like, yeah. He's a great, he's a great commentator. Yeah. When he's on other p- podcasts and stuff, he's, yeah. he's, a good, you should get him for your podcast. I'd love to be able to get Ryan Johnson on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but he was cool, but it, I kind of know his personality through the podcast. So when he came out, he was wasn't the same. He was nervous because this is his first big movie, like first real big movie in Hall H. In Hall H. So I think he was he had a little bit of trepidation, and then Emily Blunt came out, and but then Joseph Gordon-Levitt came out, and he kind of like was riled up the crowd, and everybody was kind of getting into it, and girls just were swooning, and I was like, oh, this guy, that's fine, I enjoy you, but I remember when you were a kid. So they came out and they were talking about it and they were kind of asking, like they were, essentially people were asking Joseph Gordon-Levitt questions about having to impersonate Bruce Willis. Uh, so he it wasn't really an impersonation, it was more, he was trying to find a guy who could be Bruce Willis, but a younger version. Uh, he didn't really want to use a lot of the accent, but he kind of just wanted to get mannerisms. They kind of off lines. Uh, what Bruce did for Joseph was he recorded lines that Joseph had to say and then sent it to him. So... Joseph Gordon-Levitt was just listening to his voice and his mannerisms and kind of just trying to be more of a young journalist, but not trying to impersonate him. And he kind of learned little tricks and stuff. And at one point, he kind of interrupted his straight-up impersonation of him. And it kind of worked out pretty well. Um, and it, but they showed a lot of footage. They showed a really, really big, extended, almost red band trailer for it. And it's going to be violent and it's be fun. And so really, does the movie look like it's going to be rated R? Oh yeah, if, yeah, because there are things that, that there's because it's not a spoiler to say that when he shoots him with the looper gun, yeah, there is visible blood that just comes splatting out from that guy. Okay, so pretty sure it's probably gonna be it's gonna be Ryan Johnson's most violent film, and it's and then the prosthetics were kind of cool because they were talking that after they cast Bruce Willis, they realized that neither of them look like one another at all. So they both kind of picked the simplest ways to put them in prosthetics where they kind of looked similar. And 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt had to get more, obviously, because he's not as big of an actor as Bruce Willis. The only thing that bothered me is that no one asked if they were Bruce Willis time. Because <laughs> if, if Bruce Willis really commanded it, but they said he was great to work with. So I'm just kind of curious. Like, either Kevin Smith's liar or Bruce Willis doesn't care about Kevin Smith. Either way. Uh, different, different, than, different film sets, different, you know, different attitudes kind of thing. I know, probably budget studio, different attitudes. Smaller studio, smaller budget, probably does what he can. I mean, the, and enthusiasm about the project they're working on. I mean, Cop Out is, you know, a generic cop movie yeah, versus yeah. Looper, something really ambitious. So, Which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but the main thing that I was waiting all day for, because I missed the Game of Thrones channel, water, don't care. I want to see the deletion footage. The new Neil Blomkamp. Because I've, I've seen nothing, I've heard nothing, and I just wanted to get as much as I can. I don't care if it was all blue screen. I don't care if game out there and got me stills because District 9 is one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the last decade. I was really excited to see that. So we sit down, Neil comes out, kind of explains the idea of his new film, which is the Earth's dying. It is diseased. All the poor are left on Earth, and what the rich did is essentially built this ring, almost a, it's a halo, is essentially what it is. It's a big halo where they all, all the rich live, There is they cured every disease, and that's where they keep everything. Earth is the ghetto it is just desolate. And Matt Damon is the protagonist in it. And he is, I think, nation. And it's a lot of cool little things. But the initial story that we finally figured out was he gets some form of radiation. He has five days, five days before he dies. He goes to try to see what he can do to try to get to them to fix him. So they showed a really graphic scene about him taking – they took a piece of his brain out – I'm sorry, a piece of his skull out and put something in his brain. What they did is that it kind of set him up with like this mechanical suit that connects his back, goes down his spine, and is around his arms. So it's almost like a really, really choppy Iron Man. Um, what happens is that he uses this, starts firing guns, they give him new weapons, and the next six minutes is just crazy science fiction action. And I honestly don't really want to get into detail about what it is because – I was completely surprised, and the shock of it was just perfect. It's as violent. When Bishop 9 gets violent, it gets incredibly violent, and he still maintains that level of violence in his film. But Charlotte Copley comes in as an antagonist to Matt Damon, and they're kind of fighting on Earth while Matt Damon tries to get to Elysium. Now, now, uh, now Matt Damon, he's like he's like completely bald and everything, right? Yeah, what, what, he shaved him down. Um, just He was shaved to begin with. How is, like, how is, how is Charlotte Copley look? The best way I can describe is, do you remember Megatron from Revenge of the Fallen? Yes. At the very beginning where he has that robe and everything. Mm-hmm. Imagine Charlotte Copley right under that. Okay. Instead. So he just comes out, he's disfigured, he's this ex-guy who, he's this guy who used to be like a mercenary for um, Elysium, and the head of Elysium is Dodie Foster, who has like two lines, and I think she has an accent I couldn't really hear. They come out, and like, I honestly was just so stunned by the footage that I was really excited for it, and I can't wait for that movie to come out. I just don't remember when. It comes out next year. I just don't remember the date. Probably summer next year. I would assume so because it's going to be really good. Um, but the sad part is that I couldn't stick around for the Q&A because I ran across the convention floor to get to the Breaking Bad panel. Okay. Just so you know. All right. So um, honestly, I, I, can't, I can't really describe Elysium because I'm not giving it any credit. But it's going to be – the great escape and his escaping earth to get to Elysium to fix himself. And a lot of violence happened. A lot of people die. 
and it's going to be pretty sick. I was mistaken. A lot of science fiction weapons. Like, if you like the science fiction weaponry from District 9, where they kind of had this steampunkish science fiction feel, there's more of it in this film. And there's, yeah, it's crazy. There's, like, little, like, sticky bomb mines that Trevor took Copley to use and he detonates them, and it just causes people to explode. And it's pretty cool. Cool, yeah. That uh, actually comes out March 1st next year, so it's coming sooner than I expected. So there you, there you go. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I love District 9 as well. I'm looking forward to this follow-up film. So that was that was one of the ones I really wish wish I could have seen. But let's uh, move on to what happened on Saturday. And um, lots of things that we both of us, we were sitting together, that we got to see. Yeah. Um, so Alan and I were sitting together in Hollywood on Saturday, and we just saw nothing but amazing things throughout the day. It was pretty ridiculous. So starting off, we had Django Unchained. The D is silent. Um, this is, of course, the new Tarantino film we've talked about on the podcast before when the trailer came out. But, um, yeah, Quentin Tarantino, Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Don Johnson, Walton Goggins, and Kerry Washington all came out on the panel on stage. And, um, yeah, the, this was this was a lot of fun. They showed us a whole eight-minute sizzle reel, which was basically it was, what, how Quinn described it as basically the trailers that we've seen are are have been are pieces that have been culled from the sizzle reel by the studios, and it's just this montage of footage that all takes place during the first half of the film, I guess, because they only finished when the sizzle reel was assembled, they only only finished filming the first half. They haven't even finished filming in general. So um, the footage we saw, it just it's just it's just awesome. Like it's just a lot of. It, it it feels like a Tarantino movie, but it's also like a western. Like the dialogue, it's there. It you 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 can you can see that there's just these the the way Tarantino writes things. Like it it just it it feels like there's this layer of cool on top of like characters that will be well established, but have a very stylized sense to how they're being presented. Alan, what do you have to say about the? Um, I grew up with Tarantino. So, like, on when Reservoir Dogs came out, the first video release I watched it then, and same thing with Pulp Fiction. So, me and Tarantino, myself, and Tarantino film, I, I have this familiar connection with them. I feel like it's home. I feel like it's comfortable. And being in that panel, seeing that footage first, and honestly, I already read the script last year, and seeing it come to life is how I, pretty close to how I imagined he would do it. It's funny, it's violent, it's smart, and I cannot wait. I I don't I don't know how if it was visible, but I felt like I was smiling the entire time. <laughs> Walton Goggins is in it. Uh, Walton Goggins of the Shield oh. and Justified currently. He's a great actor. He's also from Predators. Yeah, and, he was in uh, Predators. Cowboys yeah. and Aliens. And I think he was in Shanghai Noon, wasn't he? He is in Shanghai Noon. He's the guy yeah. that betrays Owen Wilson. He's the proverbial henchman in any western, so it makes sense that he's in this one, in a pretty cool part. Um, oh, and Le- the footage they showed of Leo. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio He's, was in this movie. He wasn't at the panel, but yeah, it was it was it was pretty awesome. I so good. I I I don't know if that was the highlight or Silent Hill for me. <laughs> I can't I can't debate which one was the highlight. But Jenga was a perfect way to start. What I I think, in my personal opinion, was the best uh, Hall H day I've ever had at Comic Con. It was it was, a, well, it was a, well, this is just starting, but I'm really excited. It comes out Christmas. Um, it's 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 gonna be something else, and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it was it was certainly worth it, and I um, well, Alan had friends who were there since like 11 p.m. last night camping out yeah. in the Hall H. I was in line. I got it. I got in line about four and a half hours early, and I was able to make it in. And it was fortunate because there was a long line again to Hall H, but it all it all worked out for at least. From my- what I from what I understand, 
Uh, there were people. Film school rejects was waiting. Were waiting outside for nine hours and did not get into Hall H at all. That doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. <laughs> How? Well, they just got in late because I think you were towards the tail end of people coming. Oh, in. oh, so you're saying okay, they're waiting nine nine hours after after a point. So like, because I got there like I got there around seven a.m. Yeah, they texted. I th- I think they tweeted that around Iron Man time, like in between Iron Man and Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and they couldn't get in. Okay, like, so they, at that point. Yeah, because that's so what they got in line late is what they did. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, that, it's unfortunate that people didn't get so it. So there might be a job opening at Film School Regents, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind. Um, okay, so the next panels that we want to talk... Okay, so there were there were panels... There was a panel for... Alan and I got up and get fought. Wayne got food. That's what happened. Uh, so we, we... Unfortunately, we missed... There was a panel for End of Watch, which is a new... Um, it's a new kind of cop drama from uh, David Ayer, who's written a lot of cop dramas like Training Day, and uh, he's involved in uh, Harsh Times and other... Uh, Fast and Furious, not a cop drama, but I mean, there's a lot of movies like. No, there's a cop in it. It's a cop in it. Okay, and so he has a new film with Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. It looks like it has a lot of kind of found footage stuff going on, or not found footage, but like a lot of first person camera stuff within it, as just being very kind of down and gritty and right in the moment there. And you know that's fine. Michael Pena was there, and he's an entertaining guy himself. Um, and then, I like this hat. I like this hat. Yeah. Um, and then after that was a panel for um, Silent Hill Revelations or Rev- Revel- was it Revelation? Revelations, Revelations, yeah. in three D, of course. And I ca- I told Alan, why do all like the bad movies get like amazing three D? Like, why does that? Why can't every movie have good three D? I mean, yeah, if you're into Silent Hill, oh, I'm sorry. I, well, yeah, I, I mean, it just like honestly, if you're really into the Silent Hill games, and I'm sorry that you get bad movies. That's the same thing I say about Resident Evil, but for some reason that movies those movies are massively popular. I don't understand. But uh, regardless, yeah, that happened. We don't. I don't think we have much to say about either thing. Silent Hills 3D looked nice. There was there's probably some creepy stuff in there. I've I've seen. It still uh, looked awful, man. No. It, I, I mean, in terms of like the design of it's weird and it's just I yeah okay I I don't care enough about Silent Hill to really keep going about it. Yeah, I, I really yeah, go, I, on, go I we're the, done. I watched like the first 30 minutes of the first one. I was just bored. I was like, eh, whatever. So I just you know, stopped. Um, so yeah, Silent Hill there, whatever. Um, this just all this is moot because it led up to the legendary slash Warner Brothers panel which had just nonstop amazingness being delivered on stage starting out before the panel even started. There's a big screen at Hall H. Like it's a huge room. It's, it can hold 6,600 people. There's a, there's a big stage in front. That's where the panel sits. There's a screen right behind that. It's nice and large. The room expanded the screen to quadruple the size of what the normal screen is at Hall H. Like it, it just it took back uh, curtains from the sides of the room just to just to be like, Ugh. oh yeah, this, we're 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 gonna use this. We're gonna use everything. We're gonna show you stuff, and we need extra space to do it. That's how they. That's how they. That's how they began the panel, and um, the first panel was Pacific Rim. The new Guillermo del Toro movie, which is basically giant robots versus giant monsters. And, and it's, but, well, to quote Guillermo del Toro, it was giant expletive robots versus giant expletive monsters. Yes, and the added bonus is that Guillermo del Toro has an amazing Mexican accent. I, oh, I can listen, oh, so listen to him talk all day. But yeah, the, he came out, he showed us ridiculous footage. <laughs> uh, it's just really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, it was fun. Like no one else is gonna see this until December, I think you said. But um, the the footage they showed us, it's basically you start out with you 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 
he's not afraid of money shots, which is awesome. Like he's he's like ready to show you stuff. He doesn't want to like tease you for months at a time. Like oh, there's a shadow of something big. He just comes out and shows you this giant freaking monster and a giant freaking robot in like the sea battling each other, just pounding mm. each other. And it's like th- this is insane. Apparently the the like monsters are invading Earth. And there's they have giant Earth has giant robots to help fight them, and they're piloted by two different pilots. Uh, each pilot controls a different hemisphere of the brain, and then they, I guess work that somehow they combine and work together as one single mind. And yeah, this movie just like the, the, what they showed us. And this, I mean, this is Guillermo del Toro who loves working with practical effects, but the work he's done with the CG, it just looks phenomenal. It just looks absolutely fantastic. Alan, okay, so I've always been I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty big Guillermo fan. I love his creature work and I love his excitement. I could honestly I would rather listen to him talk than his films. It's just that's just how it is with me and him. Like that's how that's how engaging this man is. So to know that he loves his monsters and he loves his robots and I love and he, he always sketches things out. Just knowing that he's doing something that is actually being done, let alone makes me excited because he talks about making all these different movies and I'm just like just make a movie, just make a movie. And seeing that footage, I can't wait. I cannot wait. And I actually had a chance earlier that day to get a Pacific Rim one-sheet poster signed by him. And now I'm really happy that I did because that movie looks amazing. It's this big – it's like – it's almost like Ultraman. That's the sense of what it is. Like imagine – 12-year-old Alan would be crazy right now because it's like a Power Ranger thing. It's these big, big robots fighting these big monsters, and it's going to be cool, man. It's going to be really cool. <laughs> I just – I can't really describe – like it just – yeah, it was. It was. A... I don't. I don't know how because it's just, it just exactly what I'm saying. Really cool looking monsters and really cool looking robots with Stringer Bell and Jacks piloting suits, kicking ass. They're just kicking ass. Yeah, the film. Uh, the film stars Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, uh, Rinko Kikuchi, who's in the Brothers Bloom actually, and um, and Bubble. And, and, Bobble. and uh, let's see, Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and uh, Ron Perlman, and yeah, Idris Elba. Idris Elba wasn't there, but um. Ron Perlman, yeah, I mean, completely, you know, well, what, good friends of Guillermo already with the Hellboy movies. And, uh, and you have the president and vice president of Sam Crow in your film. <laughs> How do you not want to watch that movie? Yeah. And, yeah, so there's... Because you didn't really get a good look at the monsters either. You only kind of got snippets. You got snippets, but you still got to see stuff. I mean, it's better than... Like, you got yeah. to see plenty, but it's kind of cool, like, because... Guillermo wanted the things to be so massively huge that you couldn't get it all in frame. Yeah, and it certainly delivers on that. And yeah, I'm, uh, we'll get to our favorite stuff, but this is yeah. this is this is pretty good. And uh, yeah, Pacific Rim comes out next July, July twelfth. And um, so yeah, that's that. I'm super excited for. Can't wait. I mean, I'm super excited for a new Guillermo del Toro movie. In general, he's been attached to so many things, and like he didn't, right. he didn't get to direct The Hobbit, so it's like finally we're gonna see something else come out of what he has to offer as a director. So yeah, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just really super excited to see Pacific Rim next up actually fought well following Pacific Rim, which was very fitting. I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, surprise teaser trailer for Godzilla, a new American Godzilla film from director uh, Gareth Edwards, who did the film monsters of a, a kind of independent uh, monster movie, which was quite, I, I enjoyed it. Have you seen monsters? I have not. So it's a pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. I like what it was trying to do. It's 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 an interesting take on kind of that sort of genre of having monsters exist in the world. It's very much a kind of a, there's like a lot of social commentary elements going on. And it very much puts the monsters in the background. It's very interesting. But, Is it on Netflix? Uh, yeah, I assume so. I, I don't know if it's on Watch Instantly, but I know it's on Netflix. It's available everywhere. It came out, I believe, two years ago now. 
cool. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a good movie. I, I, yeah, I like that one. That's a recommend. Um, but yeah, Godzilla. There's there's a teaser for Godzilla, <laughs> and I, I I like practically forgot they're doing Godzilla, another Godzilla movie. But here it was, and um, this movie is like it's it's a long time out. I think it's coming out in 2015. The the footage they they showed us a trailer and like at first we weren't sure what it was they just showed us like they showed us the Warner Brothers sign and legendary and like the script like the 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 text it looked like like Alan Alan and I we both thought it was like forty seven Ronin or something the kind of Reams movie that's coming out just because we didn't know what it was and like there was some kind of there was some narration going on describing kind of. It, it was it was just kind of so it was like a biblical uh, yeah. allegory. It was yeah, yeah. It was like a biblical allegory, and they're just it was just showing shots of like just destroyed cities, just well, like a destroyed city, like the af- the aftermath of something bad that happened in a city, and then it kind of moved over to some kind of monster thing, and <laughs> it was Rodan. It was Rodan. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you just it, it it was Godzilla, and eventually you know it showed like just this, some destruction happening and then you kind of pan through smoke and stuff and you saw kind of the silhouette of an animal well it's like a it's Godzilla. lizard and it, and it made the it, it made the Godzilla yell and I mean Abe's probably not gonna be able to find the Godzilla yell to put in this part of the podcast but that'd be amazing if he did but they so they played yeah the yeah! Go- basically is- yeah pretty much yeah. and pretty good <laughs> that should that should be our theme song uh <laughs> <laughs> It's out now for today. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, and. It was really cool, too. Like. It's cool. It looks cool. Like, I I mean, I, I it's hard to speculate, you know, on a minute and a half teaser trailer. But it got me excited. Like, I'm curious now. I want to know more about Godzilla. It certainly helped that it came after another God giant monster movie to be like, I'm already in the mood for this. So. Right. Not. And, um. I can't wait for the crossover. Yeah, yeah. Godzilla, Godzilla meets Pacific. Godzilla takes a Pacific Rim vacation, and uh, yeah, Gareth Edwards came out and he was talking about how they wanted to really ground the film in reality, which is somewhat humorous to hear. But I can kind of see where he's coming from, I mean, based on kind of the tone of the trailer. It certainly seems like they're it's a more serious way to approach the film. And I mean, honestly, the original Godzilla film, the original Japanese Godzilla film, is a serious, you know, political. Commentary, mm-hmm. like social commentary on on the nuclear warfare those like just the bad things that were happening back in the 50s in Japan and um so I mean I could see I could see where someone would be coming from by saying they want to ground a new Godzilla film in reality and to some extent and I'd be I'm very curious to see how that's going to go I, I'm at, there's certainly not going to be anything like the Roland Emmerich version with Matthew Broderick and Hank Azaria and people where it's very campy and over the top I do hope that knows in it though that what sorry I really hope John Renault. If John Renault was back, yeah, that'd be be something, I guess. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty big surprise, and uh, that was it was cool. I, I it was cool. It was a cool thing to see. And I'm, well, like my favorite part was you saw the footstep. Yeah. And he stepped on train. Yeah. But the most disturbing part was that all the people I showed the clip twice. Second time I was like, oh, those people. The second time when you saw it, you're like, oh snap, those are all dead. <laughs> it was a trip. Yeah, it was crazy. It was just crazy because it's to scale like, oh, oh, it was bad. But it kind of looked like a mid- weird Midwestern. Like you kind of, it's like it was in like Lancaster or something. <laughs> there was no ocean or anything. How far deep into the, it's just, anyway, it's speculation, but how far deep did he go? Well, yeah, well, we'll see in 2014, yeah. I guess, as we you know learn more about the Godzilla movie. Um, so after after Godzilla, we had the, uh, another surprise, actually. There was a, uh, 
I think this is that actually I think that was the that was like the end of the legendary portion, correct? Uh, from what I understand, yeah. Yeah, because the next thing which which is weird because I thought Man of Steel well, anyway. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that happened was um, the campaign. The campaign happened. Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis' new comedy. They both came out, and um, I mean, there's not much to say about this. They showed a bit. They showed an extended trailer, and the panel was like hilarious. Like the guy, oh, yeah. you have Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis on stage, and you're gonna get some. And Chris Hardwick, who was moderating the whole Warner Brothers events, like. It's going to be a funny panel, and it was. It was. It was pretty hilarious. I, I. Do you have anything to add to what you saw with the campaign? Uh, yeah, I don't think Zach Galifianakis really likes people. No. Well, yeah, I think he's. I think he's. He just. He's really awkward around this kind of new faint. Like he. I mean, before the Hangover uh, movies, he was. He was a well. He was a known comic, but he just never had this kind of. I think mass exposure to large amounts of people, and I just think he's still legitimately adjusting to that. I don't, I don't think it's a bit that he's doing. I think he's just. It's. It's. He, he doesn't really enjoy this kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think he's used to it or anything. So I thought that was kind of funny. And the, he was put on the spot a couple times. Uh, but Will Ferrell handled that audience really well. Yep. He knew how to he knew how to finagle it. It was really funny. Yeah. I just really enjoyed it. It was just really funny. And if you can, look it up, look it up on YouTube. Because I'm pretty sure someone put up the Q&A. Yeah, someone had to film something. Yeah, so it was really, really cool. It was really fun. Yeah, the campaign that comes out... It's- August and you know I'm gonna see that movie. I'm gonna, I like. Oh, I'm gonna see it no matter what. Yeah, I like Will Ferrell and I like Zach Galifianakis. It's like why not? And, and I like just, this, this is a good supporting cast in there too. So yeah. Yeah, Jason Sudeikis is in it. I'm really into that. Dylan McDermott in a comedy. That's something I guess. That's uh, we'll see. And and there were full on baby punches seen in the trailer. Just oh like, yeah, that baby punch. Yeah, there's it's definitely there's it's there's a there's a big baby punch in that movie. Mm-hmm. So okay, next up. And that is not a sexual innuendo. <laughs> yeah, that that. that God, Alan, that's horrible. Um, next, <laughs> next, next up was um, Man of Steel. Man of Steel is, of course, the new Superman movie, which is being directed by Zack Snyder of uh, 300, Watchmen, Dawn of the Dead fame. And um, Don't forget Sucker Punch. I didn't. And uh, <laughs> it is being produced by Christopher Nolan. He's kind of he's been he's been kind of looked on as the godfather of this new film. Like he's being he's in, he's shepherding the production of this film. And um, I mentioned that because the trailer we saw, which was brand new, or it was like an extended trailer because the actual trailer will premiere with The Dark Knight Rises this coming week. But um, the, the footage that they showed us, it really had a Nolan-y tone. It, um, it, was using the, the, it was using the score, a Hans Zimmer score from The Thin Red Line, which Alan made sure to correct me on. And um, Dude, it's like my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of music. I know, and it's a good piece. Of, I mean, I thought it's, it's had, I thought it was Inception, and he corrected me. He well, yeah. same, same composer. Anyway, go I on. Know. Okay, and um, now I say, yeah, it, it looks very Nolan-y, and I'm very, and I'm, I'm curious as to whether the trailer was like designed to just look that way. Like it looked very Batman Begins. Like that's the best way to describe it. I think. I think that it, mm-hmm. it looked like Batman Begins. And so I'm, I'm curious if I guess the, if the footage being shown was kind of tailored to just resemble that kind of, that kind of tone, a Nolan esque film, or if it's going to be legitimately like played out that way. And I mean, it does have Hans Zimmer as a composer. It does have the, the look of the film does suggest that. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole film felt like they watching that footage. Did. And, um, I think that movie is tailor made to be Batman Begins for Superman. Yeah, that's definitely what it looks like. And for I don't know, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. I'm not a big Superman fan. I think I've kind of expressed this before. I'm not a big fan of the Superman character. I do like the first two films a lot, and I like them because as opposed to something like Batman, and I'm pretty sure everyone knows I I love Batman. It's just my thing. Superman 
the the kind of Superman that I enjoy is the kind that I've seen in the first in those first two movies where it's it's big and it's loud and there's it's red and blue and every it's just has this like it just has this this <laughs> has this very strong kind of uplifting attitude towards as opposed to something more darker like like it it, it it's it's more cheer it's you're rooting for Superman to succeed like you're rooting for every superhero to succeed but you want Superman's like not Green Lantern not Green Lantern it, it, Superman's he's a good guy and you want, you wanted to do, you want, he's, he's for truth, justice and the American way. And that's the kind of Superman I like to see. I, I don't like to, I don't necessarily want to read the comics, but it's, there's, there's good guy. I mean, there's red sun. He's your Captain America. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the footage I've seen while interesting, and I'm certainly going to see this damn movie. I mean, it looks like a, it looks really, I mean, it looks good from the footage I saw, but it's not kind of the Superman that I know, but that's me. Alan, what did you think of the Man of Steel footage? I'm not a big Superman fan either, but when he has a good story, that dude has a good story. Yeah, okay. Um, that Superman you're describing isn't really going to work. Um, not in this day and age, I guess. No. It's... it's not. Like, Captain America worked because it was in the time frame of... It works because it shows... He's old-fashioned. He's old... Yeah, people can use a little fashion only because he's he is clearly old-fashioned in a modern time. Like, that's why he worked in Avengers, and I think the new the new film will work that way, too. But with the Man of Steel, I really liked what we saw. But I also really liked what I saw from Sucker Punch two years ago. So, and I also really liked the footage, the, the trailers for Superman Returns, and that didn't work out that well. Exactly. Which so, also, uh, had, which I would, which I would argue has a, a similar tone as well. It's it's kind of weird because Superman was a movie I was going to watch no matter what. Uh, this Man of Steel film, mm-hmm. uh, only out of curiosity. But now you're kind of raising my expectations, which can be dangerous if it's not a good movie. <laughs> So it's almost like a double-edged sword for them. But the footage I saw was great. Uh, I saw General Zod, Michael Shannon as General Zod for like two seconds, which was cool. Who they strangely don't want to acknowledge is General Zod, even though we all seem to know that it's General Zod. It's, it's I don't think Snyder wants to piss off Nolan. I guess, but it's not like I, this is exactly like, what it is. It's I, like I, it's not news. Like, that's why. That's why. It's good. But Nolan doesn't like letting anything out of the bag yeah. at all, okay. ever. He plays things close to the best. He doesn't. I don't think Snyder really wants to piss him off. Okay. You know what I mean? So I think that's where he was coming from with that. But that's honestly, that's almost irrelevant to me because you only have two good villains, three good villains for Superman to work with. But I'd, I'd at least like to see other villains. I mean, that's another thing. I've seen. I mean, I haven't seen Journal Zod in a long time. You've seen it in one movie, well, two movies technically. But um, I mean, I'm at least happy that there's no Lex. There doesn't appear to be a Lex Luthor in this movie. And no. but like, I want to see other villains. I want to see other people. Brainiac would be cool. It would be cool. Metallo would be cool. Yeah, Parasite would be cool. I see Parasite would be really cool. There's lots Sorry. of things, and I'd like to think that I guess the Superman film seems very much more focused on the Superman character, or maybe his up. Like it, it looks like it's expanding like some time. Like I don't know how much time it's going to be spent in the they're origin. Making, it seems like they're making him the reluctant hero. Yeah, that's and which is weird for Superman, but I kind of get it. Yeah, so I get. I mean, yeah, it comes down to what you said. If he has a good story, dude has a good story, and so I'm hoping that's going to turn out that way. I think with Superman, the good Superman stories are the ones that kind of have a skewed view on him. Like Red Sun is amazing, um, which just has it. It's a what if story if Superman landed in Russia, and I really like that story uh, because he's inherently still kind of good. Like he, in his bones, he is morally a good person. He's just scared of the abilities that he has, and if they kind of focus more on that, that. He's a good person, wants to save people, but he's scared of what he can do. That'd be kind of cool. It's just a good movie. And my favorite part of the panel, was, other than the footage, was when they asked him about Justice League. And when Zack Snyder said that Superman is the crown jewel in the DC universe. And before they can start planning a Justice League movie, they have to get 
Superman's house in order. Yeah. Because everything else hinges on whether or not Man of Steel is a good movie. And if Man of Steel is a good movie, then they can make Justice League. We're, and that's a difficult spot in itself just because Green Lantern did not work. And But honestly, at this point, the only thing that could really make Justice League work is not do another Green Lantern movie. Yeah, but it's like... like but but keep Ryan Reynolds for that Justice League film. I guess. Does that just be weird? I, I mean, it, it just... Like, Marvel... like it. Yeah. Marvel did such a great job of kind of... I mean, they did. I don't know about a great job, but they did. They did enough work where it it managed to work out in having all these different movies combine and exist in the same universe. It doesn't feel like these guys are like. I guess Superman kind of is. It feels like Batman Begins, as we we're saying. So I guess it kind of they kind of fit together right there. But it'll just be weird to see like if they can similarly pull off something with the way the Avengers did. But I mean, that's a whole. That's all. Just the thing is that Avengers works because it's so campy. I, I honestly think that Marvel Studios worked in spite of some of its fault. Yes. Yeah. I, I think. It only worked because the fans made it work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I we, we can get into that more later. But... Yeah, that'd be, that's a different argument right there, to the yeah. discussion right there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, and uh, by the way, Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill, who plays Superman, Clark Kent, they were both on stage to, you know, talk and everything. And Henry Cavill, my God, another just very handsome man. <laughs> Jesus. He's really handsome. Yeah. He... That guy. Wow. And, like, it's a mix of, like, he's, like, buff, but not, like, overly buff. And he's, like, tall and strapping. Like, he just, it's, like, dude. Like, this plus, is... plus the accent, man. I was. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, this, it's, like, this is Superman. Like, when I first started watching Mad Men, I was, like, why is it, it is anyone calling John Hamm? Like, he should, where's, where's, like, can I get on the phone and call somebody and, like, connect him to John Hamm to play Carl Kent? But, like, what, look at Henry Cavill. I'm, like, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. John oh, Hamm, I yeah, John, John, I'm, I'm going to stop talking. You're going to, you're. On hold by okay Henry Cavill you look like you yeah you're looking, you're looking good here uh, Henry Cavill is the younger better looking version of John <laughs> and uh, yeah I'm sorry the younger better looking cousin of John there British cousin of John there, you there go. it is okay so yeah Man of Steel that comes out uh, next June in uh, 2013 and uh, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it I'm looking forward to seeing more of it and learning more about it and uh, yeah uh, we'll, we'll see I just hope it's not kind of the angst fest that was Superman Returns so. <laughs> All right, so the next uh, next panel up, we have um, the Hobbit. This was pretty cool. The um, I should mention, I should call back to the the expanded screens that was happening with the expanded screens in the in Hall H that day with Pacific Rim. You had just like giant like doors on ones like just animated, basically like animated DVD menus. That's what you know, kind of what you had on the sides mm-hmm. of the screens. And so they, and they, it was like a mix of like they'd be showing um, like logos for the film or like moving like doors and things or like and like behind the like behind the scenes kind of like footage in the background like that's what was going on pacific rim had like epk footage it was pretty cool yeah it was pretty cool the hobbit like they presented this um giant banner they had which was revealed like a few days earlier and it was like a, it was like a motion version of that banner where they just had like individual like shots from the movie with little things happening on each of them and so they all kind of appeared in the on the side screens and then kind of all merged together and that was that was pretty cool that was a pretty cool thing yeah and then i'm um, following up they showed us a big production blog that kind of basically led up to like the last day of filming and just had various interviews with the cast member interviews with the various members of the cast, all kind of talking about, you know, just kind of reflecting on being a part of the Hobbit and having, you know, fun things to say and everything and, you know, giving you an idea of who's in the film. And uh, yeah, then Peter Jackson came out, he uh, showed off and he showed off some footage of the Hobbit. Now, first things first, he did not show off footage of the Hobbit in 3d and in 48 frames per second. He showed it off in 2d and 24 frames per second. I mentioned this because the film was filmed in 3D and in 48 frames per second. For people that don't know what that means, it um, essentially it's you know it's shooting at a higher fr- at a higher kind of frame rate, and 
it gives it a kind of a very distinct visual aesthetic. And that was previously kind of seen as CinemaCon and it wasn't given the best reaction. And there's, there's, it was kind of compared to kind of like soap operas, you know, where it's like shot live and it feels like you're right there in the moment. It kind of feels unnatural for a film. And, um, the argument that Peter Jackson was making is that, well, you just didn't get to see it long enough. So you had a hard time adjusting for it. And, uh, but regardless, it wasn't, that wasn't done in Hall H. I think it was, it was originally planned to be, and then they decided to cancel doing that at the last minute. So I wanted to see it that way. That was kind of the big thing I wanted to see with the Hobbit, not only seeing, you know, Hobbit footage, but seeing it in the way that Indeed. they shot the film. Uh, Ali, you have anything to add to that? I don't really care. Okay. I, I honestly didn't care either way because okay. I'm going to watch it in 3d because it was filmed in 3d because that's my little rule. I don't watch any 3D films post converted. I just don't do it. Okay. Uh, but if it's filmed in 3D, then I'll do it. And I was, I had really good, um, had a really good results with Prometheus, but other movies, I think Brave. Uh, animated, they're all kind of, they, don't, they kind of don't count. They're like they're all tech, yeah. they're technically post converted, but it's like different. Like yeah, it's just weird. Except for like stop animation, those are to do you know stop animate in 3D. <laughs> but uh, although after my Spider Man experience, I don't think I'm going to do 3D again. Really? For a while. Uh, oh, I. My when I went to go see Spider Man in 3D at midnight, the projector oh, crystal okay. was like messed up, and I got my money back, so it was fun. That's unfortunate because it was good in 3D, but that's I looked cool, man. But, but okay, let's not talk about Spider Man. Let's talk okay, about the sorry. Hobbit. After uh, they, after Peter Jackson came out, he showed us an extended kind of look at the film, and like it was it was a mix of kind of montage clips and then you know some lengthy you know extended scenes involving there's one with uh, bilbo gandalf and all the dwarves in his house um in bilbo's house you know discussing like getting Bilbo to come on this adventure with them there's a scene of gandalf kind of being chased through um a cavern or like kind of he was something the labyrinth the labyrinth yeah there's a there's a scene of gandalf fighting david bowie that's what was happening um then there was a scene of bilbo with Gollum, which was that was entertaining itself there was uh, a scene with a uh, is it galadriel Yes. Kate, yeah. Uh, uh, Kate Blanchett's character and Gandalf together, and yeah, I mean, it just it looked. I mean, I'm not the biggest Lord of the Rings fan. I like Lord of the Rings a lot. I I, I like them more as they go along. That's kind of my thing with Lord of the Rings in terms of mm. the films. But I like Peter Jackson, and I do, as I said, I like the Lord of the Rings films. And this just was like more of Lord of the Rings, and that doesn't seem like a bad thing to me. And um, I was happy to see the footage I got to see. I mean, I mean, I was already excited for the Hobbit. It didn't make me want to see it more or less. It just made me like realize hey the hobbit's coming yay i get to see some more of this action and peter jackson doing more of these movies even though he probably didn't want to do these movies but he's at least it looks like he's having a good time being back in that world again alan i just want to see him do another good movie there you go yeah well um, the bones was pretty disappointing <laughs> i actually really like the lord of the rings movies mm -hmm. but i refuse to read the books because i just i can't i can't do it it's just it's for me it's a hard read. It's really hard for me to read fiction for some reason. I don't know what it is. I love comic books, but I can devour a nonfiction book like in a day. Fiction just I can't do it. Um it's still taking me forever to read Game of Thrones. Uh but I'm I actually really like that's worse than trying to read Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. Yeah, it is. <laughs> did you know did you know that, you know, it's cold? It's weird. Like he just mentions it every time. <laughs> um I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's cold and there's wolves and they're just snarling. Uh, but I'm really excited. I, I was already excited for Hobbit. I really want to watch it. Um, there's a big dragon in it, and I want to see that. Smart. And I, yeah, I'm just I'm pumped to see more well done Peter Jackson fantasy films. I like fantasy a lot, and I gravitate towards that stuff because I just think it's cool. Uh, I don't think it's I don't know. I, I'm it wasn't the most exciting thing I saw at Comic Con that Saturday, but I think it was cool. It fit. The panel was really fun. 
and yeah, let's go. Let's rock. I want to see more Lord of the Rings. I want to be more in the Tolkien verse. Let's do it. Great. And yeah, after after Peter Jackson came out, he also had um uh, his uh, his co screenwriter of the uh, screen uh, screenwriter uh, Philip Aboyans, um Andy Serkis, Richard Armitage, Martin Freeman, Ian McKellen, and Elijah Wood came out. Yeah, I get he was there. He was there for like Wilfred. He's just there in general. So he, they like, found, yeah. they found him. They're like, hey, Elijah Wood, you want to come on stage? So he did. And um, yeah, that was all a lot of fun. Andy Serkis, who apparently is doing uh, second unit photography, also, which I did. I think I might have known, but I forgot. He 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 did. A, he's second unit director on the film, and he um he also did. He managed to be on stage. Be I like Andy Serkis. I, there's nothing he can't do. I, I think, think he's a cool dude. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like there's nothing he can't do apparently. And he was he, he even performed some Gollum live in front of us. Both like personalities of Gollum on stage. It was awesome. <laughs> it was it was cool. Yeah, Hobbit footage. That was that was it was cool. It was. Cool Hobbit comes out uh, this coming December. Looking forward to it. Uh, anything else add about Hobbit? Ian McKellen is a cool dude. Ian McKellen is a cool dude, yeah. See, Ian, uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Ian McKellen, the fact that he was just out in the hallway just being like, hey, I'm Ian McKellen, guys, that was awesome. Like, he was just on. People didn't even want to ask him questions. They just wanted to do, like, every time there was a Q&A, or the, all the Q&As, no one really had a question for Ian McKellen. They just wanted to acknowledge the fact that he was there, which I thought was really cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, Elijah Wood, by the way, I love the faculty. Uh, whatever. Ian, Ian McKellen, you're amazing. Anyway, back to my main question. Like, that was the basic tone of the panel. Uh, all right. So after- You know what? I can't wait for the North sequel. South. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that, was, that, was, that was a rough. That was bad. That was bad. Um, okay. So following the Hobbit panel, as if we needed, like, more amazing things to happen, um, trailer Park Two. We did, yeah, we had Trailer Park Two, so we got to see a big montage of all the trailers that upcoming movies that would happen. That was well and good. After that, ooh, doggy. After that, we had the Marvel Studios panel, and apparently, Marvel's strategy was to just unleash just a, just a bunch of announcements of all the new movies that they mm-hmm. have coming out, all the titles they have, and then just like show us crazy stuff. So. They they first thought they said yeah Iron Man three is next that's coming out next May then they announced then they said Thor and Thor has now has a subtitle Thor the Dark World and that's set to come out next November uh, next November two thousand thirteen and that's being directed by Alan Taylor who does a lot of the uh, Game of Thrones episodes he's very he's very involved in Game of Thrones then they announced Captain America two the Winter Soldier <laughs> which comes out in April two thousand fourteen. And then they finally announced Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy, an obscure one, but I like the idea that they're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That's just wild to me. And that's coming out in August of 2014. That movie is a failure if it doesn't have that Russian-speaking dog. Okay. It, will, just, it will have Rocket Raccoon, so. That's cool. Yeah. That's fine. But there's a Russian-speaking dog, and he fights with Rocket Raccoon all the time, and it's amazing. Mm. Okay. So, yeah, Marvel, yeah, they unleashed all these. And then they're like, oh, we have one more thing we've been talking about a while, Ant-Man. And um, Ant-Man's been in development for quite some time by director Edgar Wright. And um, he's been – he and uh, Joe Cornish, who did Attack the Block, which Alan and I both love, uh, mm-hmm. they've been they've been giving kind of like drafts of screenplays and they've been talking all about the stuff. And Edgar Wright joked that he's he's going – he's taking the Terrence, Mal- Terrence Malick approach to making a superhero movie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Al- uh, Edgar Wright came out on stage with uh, Ant-Man comic in hand. I should mention that uh, Kevin Feige was on, is on stage as well, who's been – big producer in all the Marvel movies that have come out. And um, yeah, so Edgar Wright came out and he, you know, Edgar Wright's just such a fun presence on stage. Like I wish he'd moderate panels too. Like if he and Chris Hartle could tag team, it'd be great. But um, yeah. And for any listeners out there, he usually runs a film series at um, the new Beverly in LA. And he kind of runs 
panels and Q and A's with like random obscure films. And if you ever have a chance, you're in LA and, and he's running a like a section of films at the New Beverly, do it because they're a they're a blast for sure. Oh uh, yeah, so so Edgar Out was on. Edgar Allen was on stage, and he, he talked about how he just had recently done some test footage for Ant-Man. And, of course, he showed us that test footage. And so he, it was a, it was obviously unproduced, and it, mm. it, it, it wasn't like it wasn't something that was supposed to be, like, ready for everyone to, like, behold in all its glory. It was very much green screens and wires and temp scores and no actors announced or anything. But what we saw was pretty cool. Would you agree, Alan? Do you want to talk about the test footage for Ant-Man? Yeah, it was really choppy, but it was kind of cool. It was kind of creative what he was doing, like, like – Seeing a lot of choppy footage, I kind of saw what he was putting together. I kind of saw what he was going to do. But I think the highlight was how cool that Ant-Man suit was. Yeah, actually. That's a really cool suit. He, I was uh, like, Edgar, oh, that's sick. Edgar Wright described it as a mix of kind of Silver Age and contemporary models of the Ant-Man character. It kind of looks like, um, when I make another reference, it's almost like an Ultraman outfit. Yeah, like, I, I, I got Ultraman. that vibe a lot, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is this is gonna be kind of fun. This is, I'm down for this. Let's do this. This looks fun. I just don't know. I don't. My my only ambivalence towards it is that, or hesitation towards it is that he's been working on it for how long, and why isn't it made, and why couldn't it be like a extra movie at some point? So I'm I'm just kind of not exactly sure why they would announce the Guardians of the Galaxy film before an Ant Man movie. Yeah, and I mean I'd be more cautious if I'd be more worried if like you know they've actually filmed the movie and it's taken this long to come out, but they haven't even started filming. They just been. I feel like everyone's just been so busy with everything. Like Edgar Wright has his own thing. Yeah. Joe Cornish is just now breaking out in the film world, and uh, you know, obviously Marvel has you know. Well, yeah, I, I, that makes sense to me, but it's just kind of. I'm just curious why. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we can probably learn that in the future. But with that said, I do like the idea of Ant Man and seeing you know the footage in action where it's you know Ant Man going from big to small in various instances and fighting yeah. people. Like, it was cool to see, like, and especially because Edgar Wright, so it's going to have, it's certainly going to have a humorous notion to it. So I'm I'm digging what I saw there, and I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing how that's going to play out. Um, okay, so after the amp footage, um, the, uh, it was Iron Man 3 time. That was the main thing for Marvel's Studios, all this other stuff. It's just fodder. It was just, yeah, it was it, yeah, it was just like yeah, we have these other movies coming. So Grant was on stage for like three minutes. Didn't even feel the question. Just like here, here's a thing. This yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he just left the stage. Um, booked it. Yeah. So with Iron Man three to introduce it, I, John, Robert Downey Jr. came out from like the back of Hall H and just ran through the crowd. With, to Luther Vandross. To Luther Vandross, and yeah, he's he's that like, dude. He, he owns he owns that hall. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's wearing this just great suit. He had the Iron Man, one of the Iron Man like gloves on with the light in it and everything. He was, it, it was just, yeah. He, it, it's hard not to see him as Tony Stark doing all this. Like he just feels like he's in character all the time. He's dressed like Tony. Yeah, that helps. It, yeah, it, it helps that they have similar styles. Um, but yeah, so he came in and you know sat down. He's he's, he's Robert Downey Jr. He's just having a lot of fun. He's really cool. And then they showed us footage from Iron Man three. Now. Basically, from what I understand, they they just started filming like not too long ago, and the idea was that they filmed all the scenes. The first scenes that they filmed were all ones that were designed to be shown at Comic Con. So they like filmed all of those scenes and then had ILM work like overtime so they could have the effects done on these select sequences, and that's that's what happened. They yeah. showed us this footage that like it started out with Tony with, with Tony Stark putting on his new suit, which uh, Alan, you want to describe the suit? Um, it's very similar to the extremist suit from the Warren Ellis comic. Um, instead of it being like an actual mechanical suit that is wrapped 
wrapped around him. Like essentially, he can he can almost use like the force kind of thing, where the suit will come to him automatically and wrap around him. Um, the difference between that and the actual comic book story is that the next time it's inside his skin and just kind of forms around him. Like it's like Nano, yeah. Yeah, it's like Nano thing, which is kind of cool. So it's a little different take. But it is kind of cool that the suit is... It still kind of looks... It's not that it's different, but it's different enough where it looks like a new suit. And this suit is one that's designed to come and cling to him like a magnet. So that's really, really cool. Um, the other thing with that is that... All that footage looked amazing. Yeah, it did. Okay, so okay, so that was the suit. So they showed him it's putting. Like, I, I, it's hard to describe the suit because you don't really get that good of a look at it, but you can find it on the internet because they put it up on Marvel Studios. It was it was in the exhibit hall. It was pretty cool. It's not like any one distinguishing characteristic that makes it different from it, everything else. It's less red. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he put on the suit, and then they showed us some you know some various clips, and then they showed us like what was like going down, and it looked like guy basically Guy Pierce is coming in and just telling Tony. I don't know what you need to be doing here anymore. And then he just ambushes his Malibu mansion with, with attack helicopters. And it just like, it just like every, the way it, it's just specifically designed to get that like inner Marvel geek. And you just go and I want to, I want, I need to see this. I need to, is Tony going to be all right? Like you're just excited and yeah. about this. And it looks like they've been talking a lot about how this, this Iron Man movie after the Avengers, it's really going to go back to like what Iron Man one was where you have him kind of pushed to his limits in like a very, like a very tough place to be in or like in iron man one he was you know dying in a cave and he had to work his way out of that this one's kind of going back to that sort of tone and with you know the the look of this trailer of you know iron man being you know like just taken out of his own home and you know be like his house is crashing into the water with him and his suit going down going down with it it looks like it's trying to go there i mean I, yeah I, it, it, it looked pretty it's like degrassi it goes there <laughs> and uh yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. It was pretty. It was pretty cool footage. After they showed us that, well, after they showed us the footage, um, the um, Don Cheadle, uh, John Favreau, who still plays Happy Hogan in the film, and the new director Shane Black, who previously directed uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and is also a well-known screenwriter in general. Uh, they all they all came up on stage, and this was another just really fun panel of guys that are just obviously happy to be in each other's presence and know how to have that that great sort of camaraderie camaraderie that really works for these kind of panels for everyone to see in action. Um, Alan, anything more to add to that? They did the same thing with Iron Man 2, and that got me excited, but Iron Man 2 wasn't as good. But they have a guy Pierce's in it. Ben Kingsley's so, in it as the Mandarin, which we weren't for sure. Which was a big deal, like, oh, yeah. snap. So I'm just scared that because Gideon Young is in it too, who is a uh, in, in the book, he was essentially the son of the um, Jeff Bridges character from Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm. So I'm scared they're putting in too many villains again. Well, with that said, I think with Iron Man 2, I think one of the bigger one of the big issues was is that it had all this Avengers stuff it had to deal with. I mean, it had it had this whole it had to it had to be both like an Iron Man movie and like shove in all this like, oh, yeah, by the way, we have like this other movie coming out. So here's like a whole half hour devoted to that stuff. And I'd like to think that Iron Man 3 is going to, you know, it's going to it's going to be a lot easier to streamline a story out and focus on whatever they need to focus on for the sake of, of an Iron Man movie and not an Iron yeah. Man movie that's connected to an expanded universe. No, yeah, that makes sense, too. <laughs> All right. I, I, yeah, but because of Iron Man 2, not Iron Man 2 was essentially just one big extended sequence for the Avengers. It is. It's a commercial for the Avengers slash screwball comedy. And it's, by, it's, the, weakest, it's the weakest of that, you know, that whole... 
It's the weakest Marvel movie. It is. It's the weakest of that like of that Marvel universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and yeah, it's it's the it's the only one that's like unnecessary in my mind beyond what it needs beyond the mm-hmm. connect the dots aspect. But uh, that said, I, I I I'm supporting my opinion <laughs> of uh, I, I want I it's not that like I th- I know Iron Man three is gonna be good, but I'd like to think that it has more going for it because of the fact that it doesn't have to deal with we need to yeah. address this Avenger thing that's happening. That's out of the way now. And it's back to focusing on Tony Stark and his adventures. Right. By, by that's so true. So. I like that. But honestly, the thing that got me really excited about the film was Shane Black. Yes. Okay. I love Monster Squad. I love Lethal Weapon. I love Last Boy Scout. Love Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I love bang Kiss Kiss Bang is, Bang. Yeah. So. That's my jam. <laughs> but like. All those I love those like he and plus he was in Predator. Was a so, Predator. I wish I could I wish I could have yelled Hawkins and he'd be like ah right. and then he tell and he'd tell the joke. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to go up there and give him my glasses so he can wear them for two seconds just so I see what Hawkins would look like now. Um, We're talking about Hawkins. He played a character Hawkins in the movie Predator. He was the only one with glasses in the movie Predator. Yeah. Just he, so you know. and he dies first, I believe. In the next no, movie. he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Who, who does? He gets, he gets hit really hard, and they have to carry him around. For no, that's while. not that's not Hawkins. No, no, no. Oh, no, it's not. No, no, no. Hawkins is the one that gets killed first. He's gets he gets dragged into the tree. The other the other guy oh. who's, the other guy who like speaks Spanish with the girl. That's the one that gets hit in the. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'm I am I am sorry. Anyway, still it's Shane Black, and I love him, and um. One of my friends ended up seeing him do a lecture, and he hates the Hollywood system. He just can't stand it. I mean, he was out of it for like a long time after yeah. like, long kiss goodnight. Like he was, he was gone for a long time before he came back and like, like kiss well, kiss bang. Saw what like, they did to him during because he still got credit for the other lethal weapons because he because created the those characters. characters. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. He, I, I know he hated um uh, lethal weapon too because he he didn't like what they did with Riggs's character in that movie. Diplomatic community. Diplomatic community. Um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so yeah, the Iron Man. Uh, Don Cheadle was really funny, by the way. On stage, all of them oh, were really funny. funny but yeah. I love Don. I'm a big Don Cheadle fan. I was happy to see him on stage, just having fun with all these other guys, and they're like making jokes about like how long. Like someone asked how long it takes to get in and out of the Iron Man uh, costume. So Robert Downey Jr. said, "Ask Don how long it took him," and he's like, 30 minutes." And then, and then Robert Downey Jr. is like, "Oh, five, uh, like three minutes." Like <laughs> just some mess of him. And then Don Cheadle said, "Racist, racism." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was super fun. That was a and then he got gets up and leaves. Yeah, he he up and he's a funny dude. Oh, and then we're plugging the revelations thing. Oh, not uh, revolution, right? The John Favreau. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This, there was this big ad in San Diego for uh, Revolution, which is a John Favreau produced show. Yeah, and Robert Downey brings up a point about it, saying he's got network money now, which is really funny. And like, oh, we're plugging now. And Don Cheadle went along the lines of, um, like house flies on show. Yeah, yeah, but kind of, it was really funny. Yeah. It's like they have funny panels. Yeah. Oh, we all got to sing "Happy Birthday," uh, "Happy uh, Happy Fifteenth Birthday" to um, Ilyana, some girl. And it was I remember really cool. her name. <laughs> nice. Um, it was really cool. Yeah. I don't know. I had. A, it was. It was really cool. It was a great panel. It was a great day. I mean, and they ended by showing us the footage again, which was again awesome. I don't know when that's gonna premiere, but it. It, it looked cool. <laughs> yeah, like the thing with that, I think, is that Warner Brothers kind of came out and said, "Look at what we can do, and look at what we have on our slate," and try to make it more serious, more oriented to trying to sell the movie. What Marvel does, that they always do with these panels, they kind of turn it into a concert, to a show, where you're gonna have a really strong presence with Robert Downey 
Jr. and you're just going to have to go with it. And Robert Downey Jr., if they didn't show any footage, I think Robert Downey can still sell that movie. Yep. Especially to that crowd. So. All right, so let uh, yeah, I, I was I was excited. That was that was good stuff. A good day at Hall H for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's talk about some other things that happened. Um, just to move on. Um, anything, anything anywhere you want to go from there? Well, like I like I have a lot of cool moments that I had. Like those, I did other stuff that wasn't just strictly. Okay, so I'm just gonna address it straight out. This is this is our second attempt at this. Alan and I just <laughs> gave we we gave. Just wonderful, wonderful descriptions of all the cool stuff we did at Comic Con this past weekend, and that was all for not because it was all for nothing because uh, the, the recording didn't pick it up, and that's annoying. It's always sad when that happens, but we're progressing on anyway. We're gonna do this again. We're gonna talk about some cool stuff that we did at Comic Con besides all the getting to see all the great Hall H stuff. So, uh, Alan, what was one of the cool things that you got to do? Other than being on this podcast, um, going to <laughs> excuse me, one of some of the comic book panels. The highlight was probably the Batman. A DC-centric comic book panel, which had all the creators for all the different Batman titles. Scott Snyder was there, and I was really pumped for that. And um, they gave away Owl Mask for the new villain that came out this year, for the new 52. And everybody in the audience had a cool Owl Mask. Um, and then Scott Snyder took a picture of everyone in the audience wearing it. And it was really creepy, and it'll be in your links. So that's really fun. What about you? Um, I got to do the Walking Dead Escape, which is basically... It's like a mud run, except instead of mud, you have zombies chasing you. And this was very cool. It was done through Petco Park, the baseball stadium right next to the convention center. And it was just like this crazy thing full of vertical ascension with zombies popping out and running after you. Ropes and ladders that you had to climb on and do all these just just strenuous activities while running away from zombies and trying not to get touched by them. They had a thing where like, cause they're trying to touch you the whole time in bad places. No, they're trying to just kind of grab, <laughs> grip, they're trying to like grab onto you. And, but at the end of the thing, they kind of, the, the quarantine officers scan you and it, you know, they'll determine whether you're infected or not. I managed to get through uninfected. So I was quite happy with that. And like the whole thing was just really wild. It was all decked out and really done super well in terms of creating a you escaping a zombie invasion so that was awesome and you get like i got a a free limited version of the uh issue 100 of walking dead which i can't read because i read the hardcover so i'm never i'm not gonna be able to get to that for a while and um yeah it was totally totally worth it for me like i really really dug it and it was certainly a workout <laughs> for running around in long pants on in the in the heat um it's good times good times indeed uh, Alan, another thing you got? Mostly all the random meetups that walking the floor, you kind of just run into random people. Um, and just even walking like the San Diego gas lamp district. So it was really cool, like running in, bumping into, um, you know, Robert Kirkman, the creator of Walking Dead. Uh, I ran into Alex Pardee, who I'm a big fan of. I ran into uh, Neil Adams, was just like kind of walking the floor. I saw Mike Mignola, creator of Hellboy. Uh, the coolest one was just me getting my poster signed by Guillermo del Toro. He signed my Pacific Rim poster, which was super awesome. Uh, I ran into Dan Trachtenberg from the Totally Rad Totally Rad Show. Yeah, it was cool because uh, I, the first thing I saw was this Princess Mononoke Mondo poster. And I was like, "Oh, that's really cool, man!" Because earlier earlier that day, I ended up getting the Jock Dark Knight Rises poster and the Game of Thrones poster, and I was really pumped. So I wanted to kind of share experience with him. And when I looked at his face, I was like, "Oh, that's Dan." So that was kind of awkward because halfway through the conversation, I was like, "Hey, I, I didn't realize who you were. I started talking to you." Um, so it's just kind of cool, like just walking the floors and is just kind of neat. Uh, what else did you enjoy? 
Um, well, yeah, I, I agree with what you just said there because, like, you know, I, I saw um, Brian Lee O'Malley, like I ran into him and had a conversation there. I saw just random other people, and it's cool to see, you know, there are people that just want to be involved in Comic-Con too where they get to see cool stuff that they want to check out. And, yeah, so you see random people that are, you know, somewhat more well-known and things like that. But then you also see, like, I got to hang out with a lot of my fellow kind of movie bloggers who are on somewhat of a higher level than I am, but it's just cool to be able to interact with them, people like Slash Film, Peter Serretta, and first showing Alex Billington, and just a lot of those guys in general and you know hanging out with them in that crowd and you know talk talking you know talking shop talking about the stuff that we got to see today and what we're excited for it's just a cool experience one of the other actually something that was quite cool was that i had these very special um, vans made for me by my good friend miranda who actually designed the out now logo and it featured batman fighting boba fett and what was cool is getting just like everybody I'd be talking to would kind of just their eyes would drift down and they'd notice these shoes, including like the random more celeb like people, and they'd be like, "Those are shoes are amazing." And it was so that was just really cool to like just. Uh, I didn't tell you in person, but yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Actually, and something that was different this year from other. Out. I was, I was kind of looking at them while we were sitting next to each other in the halls, like, I because I knew you had them on because I follow I follow your Instagram, and I was like, those are. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I didn't tell you in person, but yeah, those are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, actually, and something that was different this year from other Comic Cons was uh, it was probably the year I got the least amount of free stuff for myself, but the year where I bought more stuff for myself. Exclusive, like Tesla comic book, because I'm that kind of nerd. I bought, uh, but I, then I got a bunch of stuff from the, the Zero Friends booth. Like I got print. That much swag. Yeah. I didn't get that much free swag. I didn't like get that much stuff for myself. I didn't fill up my bag. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of in that same boat with you. We both kind of bought some some big purchases, but we didn't grab that much stuff for free swag and stuff. So that yeah, that's a uh, huh, that was that was kind of different. Um, yeah, I guess one more thing I want to mention is the Starship Troopers thing. Um, Alan and I both saw the Marvel panel, and that ended around like 6:52, and I was supposed to see Starship Troopers at the theater um, across town at seven o'clock, and so I had to march all the way up. And that was no easy task, but I did it, and the movie started late, so it worked out for me because I got to see the whole movie, the whole Starship Troopers Invasion, the new CG movie, which was cool. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was solid. I liked it. I, it did, it did what it did well for being just a straightforward action movie, in with like in CG animation. But the next day, I got to interview the um, uh, Casper Van Dien, Johnny Rico himself, as well as Ed Newmeyer, the um, original screenwriter for the original film and um as well as he wrote a uh, robocop and the directors and producer of the new of the new film and um and that was cool that was a lot of fun to do like i haven't I've, i haven't got to do like much interview stuff before and that's that was that was a pretty cool one to be do a one-on-one with so, so that should be up on weiss of blue eventually as well as on outnow.podomatic.com and um yeah, I think that's um, we, we've been we've been trying we've been going at this for a while now, so I think we're just kind of kind of cut it there. This has been a long bonus episode as it is, but um, I just say go. I just say we should stop now. We should, yeah, we should. So I'll just ask okay. you one last question, Alan. What's the uh, what movie that you saw footage of where you like? I need to see that now. What's what's that movie for you? Django. Django. What about for you? Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim's okay. mine. If I you saw the Elysium footage, I didn't, so I I don't know. But, it's weird because I know Django is halfway done. It already looks really mm-hmm. polished. Pacific Rim, we only saw a little bit, so I want to see more. And Elysium, take your time. I will wait another five years for that movie because I want that to be mm-hmm. perfect. I was a huge Tarantino. I mean, I am too. I mean, it's not like they're they're not leaps and bounds different for me. So it's like, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So cool. Uh, thanks, Alan, for coming on and sticking with it for this very <laughs> long Comic Con bonus episode recording. Um, it was fun. It was fun to do. Yeah. And uh, right. hopefully, hopefully cool. next year there will be more of us, and we'll you know we'll all have like a crazy cool Comic Con episode or something. That'd be amazing. Have a drunk one. Yeah. Be but fun. until then, you will be on with our Dark Knight Rises episode most likely. So that'll be fun too. So things are gonna happen. The fire rises. All right. Mm-hmm. In my pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna let it go from there. Other episodes okay. about now and iTunes and what have you. I'm gonna just um, all my coverage for Comic Con, by the way, will be available on WhysTheBlue.com. Um, the work that I'm doing, as well as other writers from Wise the Blue, I'm gonna have it all out there. I'm have some there already, and some will be out as the week carries on. So. You know, feel free to check it out. It's a lot of time spent, you know, hanging out there and trying to do work. So there you have it. Um, yeah, again, we're just going to cut it off right now. So yeah. uh, good night. And uh, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you.